0: Welcome to the Reformers Pipeline, your dose of empowerment and the pipeline to inform your decisions on how you can support change in our education system.
1: This is Lindsay, affectionately known as Miss Black.
0: And I'm Hottie Ha, Mr. Broussard. If you're feeling like you're ready for the last episode for this season, Mm. Lindsay, at least for this semester, I guess that's like the technical term, right? Because we continue. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, y'all know what I meant.
1: Last episode of uh, the first semester of season three, which is crazy to say, um, we had, we did take an impromptu four-week break, y'all. I don't want y'all to think that we just coming in like, hey, (laughs) (laughs) a a lot of stuff occurred. Like, life really does just happen. And Mm. it. For me, I've had to work through the guilt and shame that like I put on myself for like, Sam, I'm, we gonna drop every two weeks, or saying we're gonna be active on mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. and like acknowledge that life happens. Good things happen. Anxiety inducing things happen. Period. You know, any, everything in between, but we are back and we're actually stronger than ever. Period.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I love that, yes.
1: And no, I, I further, yes further because we have to say this because i haven't put anything on the internet and it's june 8th happy pride we're here and we're queer
0: (laughs) that was a perfect (laughs) intro (laughs) no yeah i'm so happy to be back lens and thanks so much for saying that because i feel like there's just been so much going on i mean i had a birthday i my brother graduated my A good friend of mine, our best friend Yvonne, she graduated from medical school. Um, My friend Lara graduated. Well, she had her graduation ceremony because, you know, the vid kind of was doing the most. Oh, my friend Naja, she had her bachelorette party. I'm her man of honor in that. Um, Inflation has been doing numbers to my funds um so yeah that that just it's so much gas prices have been up (laughs) it's just been a lot going on but i all that to say i i am back and i'm better i feel great i'm excited for this summer to happen because i know i'm gonna have a lot of fun this summer um what else is happening I know I'm gonna get to see Linz in September because that's when I'll be there for the wedding.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure I'm coming in July. <laughs>
0: oh, so to be even sooner, love. Yeah,
1: Kari's birthday is in July. Oh, so. uh-huh.
0: perfect. I'll be there. What's going on with you though, Linz?
1: I want to hear offline about the bachelorette party. I just feel like we don't. jihad has a bad habit of not actually like talking about himself, <laughs> and I really—it's really annoying. But that's. <laughs> I'll drag you later. Anyways, um, yeah, May has been, May has been a whirlwind. I was on my little uh Lens World Tour or your girls tour. Uh, yes. the Broccoli City Fest was up in that rain. I had so much fun in the rain outside of the potential hypothermia I was about to get. Went to a wedding in New Orleans. Shout out to Kat. Oh, my gosh. I, just, I was just so happy for Kat and Eric. And then I also went to a wedding in Aruba for Sean and Josh, and that was just love. I've never even thought about going to Aruba. Like I'll make joke about like, oh, somebody need to fly me out to Aruba, but I didn't know. I didn't even know where Aruba was. <laughs> um, but that was really beautiful. Got to learn a lot about the island, and I was there with my my uh, platonic life partner Shannon. So it's always nice to have an individual time. Like I feel like very refreshed after these trips. Yeah. Instantly, oh. Last weekend, y'all, I went to see Anita Baker. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yes! We didn't even get to talk about that!
1: So basically, I'm better than all of you. Period. Um, one number two anita baker still got it like there was it was absolutely amazing even how she rearranged some of the music was really beautiful and we went um me and my friend united went on a mommy daughter trip so we brought our moms so it was just it's just really nice and our moms are just so grateful they're like oh my god thank you for thinking of this and united just the one who thought of it and it's a good space it feels like a full circle moment to like have grown up with mm-hmm. anita baker um because your parents your grandparents put you on and the reason we're actually seeing her live and in concert and her mid 60s is because the kids put it on the kids decided we go on to vegas and we go on to the residency so i have been um really introspective just really feeling grateful and gratitude for the life that i have right now and the life that i'm curating for myself and the foundation that i have to curate the life that i want like that's that's the part
0: And now it's time for our segment, Two Sets of Notes. And if you don't know, this is our segment where we talk about a current event and the way in which it relates to education, as well as the our world and the broader society. So without further ado, I do want to give a trigger warning that this next segment is going to contain violence. Um, so if you do not want to listen to this segment, please Probably fast forward a good seven to 10 minutes, I'd say. <laughs> and and if, you're, if you get too far ahead, just go ahead and rewind it back a, a little bit. But I will say that this is just a, a very important issue. And it's something that it's been on mine as well as Lindsay's heart. And we just want to hold space to, A, honor the victims that were murdered in the recent mass shootings, as well as name that there have been 12 mass shootings this year. In the year of 2022, there have been 12 mass shootings. We wanted to also highlight the fact that in Buffalo, there were 10 people that were murdered, 10 black people that were murdered by a white supremacist gunman. And the reason why I'm uplifting this message is because of the fact that a, all, all mass shootings, from my perspective, are preventable. But the reason why I'm calling this out is the fact that there was a tip that was raised to law enforcement I want to say the pri- it last year sometime to kind of let them know that there this person who ended up carrying out this act in Buffalo was considering doing a similar attack on a school, and I think it's very interesting how we fast forward a year later and this person goes to carry out a a terrorist white supremacist attack domestic terrorism attack on a black community. And the fact of the matter is, is that this happened at a school and the, the excuse me, the fact of the matter is, is that the, the tip came about him carrying out this act on the school. And we later would find out that instead of the school, he chose, dri- chose to drive hours outside of where he lived to a black community to murder 10 black people. lindsay i don't want to know if you i don't know if you want to respond to that or if you want me to jump to the next mass shooting and then we'll circle back how are yeah, you thinking?
1: just let's go to the next one
0: okay <laughs> and so secondly we also wanted to lift up the the uvaldi at rob elementary mass shooting where 21 people died two educators and 19 children were murdered I think that this is something else that we needed to uplift because of the lack of response by law enforcement. It took them over an hour, is what we ended up finding out, to respond to this situation. Even though they were on the scene, I've heard stories and witness accounts till present day that um, there were law enforcement that were law enforcement officers that were getting a haircut. And them and the the person who was a law enforcement official and the barber actually ran to the school because it was within uh, a certain amount of distance away. In addition to that, I've heard of a mother who was handcuffed to the floor, who was eventually taken out of handcuffs and ran into the school building, rescued both of her children before officers were to even get on the premises and start to go door to door to figure out what was going on in that school building. I've heard of a teacher that has been speaking up about the fact that the law enforcement officials did not respond in a way that was helpful to the point to where he was shot and he was naming that he needed their their help and they were yelling at him to get up. And so to hear all of these different witness accounts about what happened and for there to also be this element of race that (laughs) is definitely present, just given the fact that this was a predominantly Latinx community and the law enforcement officials that responded to this situation were uh, Border Patrol. And I want to call that out because of the fact that I think that that kind of added to the way that they responded. And I do know that there are a lot of discussions that are happening around the person who made that call to not respond. However, I think it's important that we acknowledge the fact that police officers are in held up to, they're supposed to be re- responding in the sense of to protect and to serve. And from my perspective, As a a former educator, when you are in a fight and flight type of situation with your students, you go into a protection. You go into being the provider because that is consistently how you are. That's that that's what you are held up to. And so to hear that law enforcement officials made the choice not to respond to a school building, regardless of what someone was telling them. I can tell you time and time again, I've always done what's best for students, regardless of what someone, regardless of what the the senior person was telling me. And so we can, I don't know which one you would respond to first, lens, but that has been weighing on me heavily. And I think we can get into the solutions later, but I do want to hold space to talk about the situation.
1: It's crazy because I didn't want to respond to the first one, and now I really don't want to respond to any of them because... I have actually chosen not to know any more information about these things, unless it pop a little, you know, the headline on CNN will pop up on my phone. So some of this, the the gist is not new, but some of the specifics are new, because my mama definitely going to be the mama that's going into the building. Um, and so is Ingrid. Period, <laughs> he OK. Period. Okay. He she's getting Jihad and Hassan, and yep. she's gone that part and, um i'm i think a lot of things are coming up for me in my mind like one the whole people like defunding the police and people that don't understand the reasoning behind defunding the police and i do hope that this can move like uh the needle for some of those people that are still like no i'm too scared to not have police have all this money because people we want to abolish them but the people that are like running for p- positions in office or like city council or, or whatever, um, especially here in LA, um, they're pushing the defund the police because this is what this is where your money is going to, guys. This is what they're saying. They're saying that your money is going to people that are so married to a system that their humanitarian part in their brain isn't triggered to go in and help and figure out what's best like that's what you do you do, you're supposed to do it on the job like you no one can prep you for any of this okay there's not enough prep in the world um i have mentioned about uh the what's the damn thing called the uh why am i blanking not the earthquake shooter active shooter training Whoa. yes Go ahead. Oh, y'all see, I'm from California talking about earthquakes. Um, but the active shooter training that I've had to go through, and we only went through mm. one, that was after, I can't remember, was it after? I don't know when it was. Um, but being in there, there's an older white man that was leading it. And he's telling us, one, that there is no... Um, there's no characteristics to really look for when thinking about an active shooter, which is it not, because then we got when we got to the end of the presentation and we went through the data points um and the demographics mm. of active school shooters, they are what? What did you say? Primarily white men. Okay. Mm. Let's be very specific. Like sure, we can talk about the one-offs that are not, but that's right. what it is. Um, and no women at up to that point. Up to that point, there were no women. Um so it's one interesting cow, everybody's a suspect. No, everybody's not a suspect here. Like we really have to really boil it down. Like y'all do that with every other piece of data to figure out how it um, influences what we're doing. Um, really just disgusted. period. I think it's unfortunate. Like it's really deeply saddening that first of all y'all killing, y'all killing black people. Um, y'all been killing black people, but y'all killing, y'all killing old people. Y'all killing the elders, damn like I'm and not to be, I'm not trying to be morbid and I'm really not trying to be insensitive, but like that person really wanted to kill black people because if I were going to be a terrorist based on what I know from other terrorist acts, I'm gonna kill the people that are going to reproduce more people that I don't want. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a another level of a senseless act that's organized. Mm-hmm. And then y'all going and killing children after you killed your grandma damn you can't you really can't go anywhere right i also want to like underscore um the general public uh like the social media urs um and how offended i was with the narrative that children oh children were killed children were killed children were killed children were killed at the school students were killed i can't send my kid to school i'm with you but i so many people forgot that educators were killed Hmm quite honestly, that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast. Because right. educators really aren't valued. Like we're not even valued when two of them die. And, you know, two of them die. Like there was a picture, you know, a montage of all the the lost lives. And there were some that were that were going around that didn't have the educators in it. And I was deeply offended. And I don't know if it's a numbers thing. And I don't like doing a numbers game when it comes to people dying. Right. Right. Okay? Like, oh, it was only two educators. Okay, but when we were trying to send kids, when they were trying to send kids back into the classroom during the height of the pandemic and their pitch was, oh, only 3% of kids die. Y'all wasn't with that. Hmm. It's very similar. Because if I'm teaching a whole middle school graduating class, that means one person from each class is gonna die. Like that, that that's still very impactful. So I, I personally was deeply offended by that. And I do... Also, you know, not trying to ruffle any feathers, but I might, I do want to call out um, people that went to Howard. Hmm. Um, And it's not everybody, if the shoe fits, then wear it. But there are a lot of people that went to Howard or influenced by the DC community. Right. But we can we can just say that people that are influenced by the D.C. community. And I've never seen them go so hard for gun violence um, in the way that they did with this national crisis. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to invalidate that. That is what we were supposed to do. I just really want people and I can speak to Howard people, but people that were impacted by D.C. community to go that hard for the gun violence that is happening in D.C. today. Hmm every day, last week. Unfortunately, what's gonna happen next week or in the next month? Like the violence that is happening within, DC is only a 10 by 10 square y'all, 10 miles by 10 miles. Howard is one mile of that. So it's it was just very interesting how connected we are to certain things and how disconnected we are to certain things. And these are the same people that are like, you know, Buy black, let's have a collectivist community. Care for the children, and I'm just like, well, the the children from the community that has influenced you are dying to gun due to gun violence, and I don't see y'all post that as much. It's yeah. a matter, and if you're saying, oh, I don't, I don't know about it, it's a matter of just following one of the page. I can we can give you pages, right? We can follow the Pipeline number one, and we follow a couple pages to stay abreast of these things. So I do want to name that and call that out. And again, this is not, it's not really, it might be shade to some people, but it's not like true shade. Like, I don't want it to be an either or thing, but we cannot decide what are, what are your values? What are you rooted in? Because you cannot decide that this is important because I keep seeing it on social media because there was a time where Black people were being killed. Well, honestly, still, we're still in that time where Black people are being killed by police officers, and it wasn't on TV, but we all knew that it was happening. We come from a history of people where our problems and our issues are not on the forefront of people's minds, but we always knew, and we always held it down, and I do feel like in this situation, we're getting a little away from that, and I hope that This in like this, all of these mass shootings, and that sounds disgusting to say out of my mouth, ill, but I do hope that all these mass shootings are influencing people and specific niche groups of people to come together and agree that there are certain ideas that might seem taboo that can actually push us towards a more successful community nationwide.
0: I completely agree. And I, I think that the, the what you also called out, the desensitization to all of this is an issue, and it's important that we call it out. I remember I was having a conversation with uh someone around just things that we even say around... And I, I remember I said, and she is a uh, gun violence prevention facilitator. And essentially, she was telling, I had said something around like, oh, uh, I'm gonna, let me shoot you this email. And she definitely called me out and it's like- God damn it, hard!" Right, and it's like, those are the things that we have to, we are so desensitized to the little things that we don't even think much of it. However, that carries with students who have to live with the fact that gun violence is happening in their neighborhood, in their community or the fact that it happens and it goes unaddressed or it's not discussed. And so that's the reason why, like, I completely agree with you, Linz, is like, yes, this gun violence situation and these mass shootings are happening in America. It's also important for us to think about what's happening in our own backyards. And I think that that needs to be another discussion. And so I I think this is a, a good portion to kind of make the segue to solutions. I I really genuinely feel as if the first thing that we need to do is acknowledge that gun violence as well as mass shootings are a problem. We cannot continue this narrative around uh, allowing AR-15s because people need to hunt. You don't need... I heard a Senator yesterday name that the reason as to why they use AR-15s where he's from is to hunt prairie prairie dogs. I will be the first... I've never hunted a day in my life. I'm going to go out on on a, a whim and say that I don't believe that shooting a prairie dog with an AR-15, it's, it doesn't sound like that's going to make the best use of your time. And so it's just like common sense things that make... It, it. It's literally like... Or to the case of maybe we should actually have a test for people to take and that's mandated federally across all states before people are able to purchase weapons. Or before people are able to carry weapons. And it's something that's universal across the board. Or maybe there should even be a background check system that everyone has access to, so that it's not one state is working off of one way and another state is walk- working on a completely different system. So it's like these things are for folks to really to the fact that we need to be, we need to have uh, the right to bear arms Yes, we do, and you need to be talking about regulations that make sense so that we can prevent this public health crisis that is extremely preventable, but we're not doing enough to prevent it.
1: Ooh, child, you said a lot. <laughs> you said a lot of things. First of all, I'm not anti-hunting. Um, I don't know what other what what else people would do in the south. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I just used to. Uh, I used to. I was gonna say I used to date him. I used to talk to this dude mm-hmm. in South Carolina and he talked about hunting a lot. And I just watched, I don't know if people watch uh, Love on the Spectrum uh, it's, it's now based in United States. Uh, you might actually like a jihad. It's about like following, um, uh, a group of people that are diagnosed with autism or that are mm. on the spectrum, um, and their love and dating. And one woman is in North Carolina and she is on the apps and she's just like, every time she, she swipes, there's like men with large fish or dead deer or dead, whatever. Hmm. Um, and I think that that's, it's funny to me, but I will say that it, you know, in my inclusive mindset, it's hard for me to be like, stop hunting when these are things that are deeply rooted in your culture. Right. Just mm-hmm. Like, I mean, my mom tells me I make false comparisons. I don't care. But like when people try to tell me to stop saying nigga or to stop calling things ghetto. Um, but these things are rooted in my culture and they have mm-hmm. a certain connotation and like we, we can bond over these things and not necessarily bond, maybe just like build a deeper understanding of something. Cause we have a word that means something. So like, it's hard for me to say y'all should stop hunting, stop hunting pra- prairie dogs. I would need an explanation as to why the prairie dogs personally. Um, and I'm sure PETA wants you to stop killing animals in general. All right. Yeah. Um, I will say that We probably could definitely benefit from some federal gun laws, like just across the board, um, because I'm also, I want to also make it clear to everybody that I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody that holds a gun license. So I do have my CCW. Um, Period. I'm registered registered in Iowa, which has reciprocity in a bunch of states, um, primarily in the states that I probably want to move to and raise a family with. And as a single black female, it's important for me to have my, to have my gun license because I'm, I'm gonna shoot somebody if they're messing with me.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: But the other thing about shooting people when they're messing with you is that the laws differ. So like California, I don't even know the damn gun laws. Ain't no fucking reciprocity for California guns. Mm -hmm. But when I was in DC, if I were to get my DC license and I shot somebody because they entered my home, they have some like, it's some nuanced like door policy. So like if I would be in my living room, I'm near my front door, but my kitchen is near my back door on the same floor, first floor. If I shot a dude and killed him, I could still be responsible for the murder because he had an option of getting out of the back door. Now, if I were in a one floor apartment and there was no back door, see, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. The rules change. So what I really want people to do, because I don't think that abolishing guns is realistic. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's going to happen. Let's be very real. Right. for Three hundred plus years, and we have mass incarceration. People are people who sold marijuana are still in jail. They're not abolishing guns, right? They're not. So I'm gonna say this, like I've been telling people: Black people need to get guns.
0: Hmm.
1: Black people need to stop saying abolish guns, abolish guns. Get your you don't, you don't want to get a gun? That's cool, boo. Get a gun license. That's all I'm saying. You get the certs to be a damn salesperson anyway. Get something to be to get a gun. Because once Black people get guns, that's when white America, which is the majority of our damn government, is going to be like, oh, hold on. The niggers are getting guns. What are the niggers doing? <laughs> I don't know. Let's figure it out. Because y'all also need to think about the Black Panther Party. Guns weren't illegal. Hmm. They were illegally having guns around the police officers. But remember when them, them gun laws switched up, though?
0: Hmm.
1: Why? Because Black people had guns and Black people were trying to move with the guns. They weren't even trying to kill people. They are trying to protect people. So like, it does bother me. I have a friend um, and she was just like, you know, as a Black woman, I don't feel like, I don't want to get, I'm afraid to get a gun because I don't feel like my rights are going to be, like I'm going to be protected if I get a gun. If I, and if I shoot somebody and I'm sitting here like, okay, bitch, but then you're going to be dead. <laughs> Worry <laughs> about your rights. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I just feel like we can't, It's hard to be like one of the first or it's hard to be in a position where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it even though I'm scared for the people after me. Hmm. But you know what type, you know how I be rolling. I'm like, I have to put myself forward. I have to put myself in the mix because there's people after me that are going to have it easier because I took the brunt of the issue.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So again, I think black people need to get guns. I think that if you are somebody on the internet talking about regulate gun laws, you should know the gun laws in your state. And a lot of y'all do not know the gun laws in your state. Um, I'm happy to, there's an app on my phone, actually. Let me find it. USCCA. U-S-C-C-A, it's, it's a black logo with like a yellow icon, looks like a shield.
0: Mm-hmm. You can
1: download that on your um, phone right now and it actually gives you more information about the gun laws. I just want people to come from um, a informed space. Not informed because you went on the internet or you went to your your, um, Ivy League group of friends and you guys sat in a circle and talked about how you feel about guns. No, I want you to actually come from a space where you can compare the laws so you can understand. A lot of people are only learning about the gun laws because of mass shootings, but they've been laws longer than we've had these mass shootings. So I understand that things become important when they become important to you, but take it a step further so that you can actually enter these conversations in an informed way because coming to say abolish guns, we need stricter gun laws. That's true, but the guns aren't really the problem. It's the people behind the guns. And I'm gonna I'm stop there.
0: <laughs> and that's all we got for this segment. And I just want to really double stamp the fact that mass shootings in America, mass shootings in our communities are happening. And to Lindsay's point, we need to be a lot more aware of the ways in which we can actually create change. One of those ways is definitely bearing arms. Another one of those ways is definitely being a lot more conscious of the fact that it's happening in your community, and we need to be doing more about it.
1: Yes. We are now moving into the last concept development of the semester of this season. Okay, let me be serious. (laughs) If you're just joining us, um, because some of y'all are relatively new listeners after our uh, great resignation stories and why we decided to leave the classroom, some of y'all just (laughs) got here for that. Concept development is where we actually get into the meat of the episode, like the main topic. Um, and today we're really just closing out rounding out the great resignation stories and we really want to summarize what our thoughts are we know we've evoked a lot of emotions we've shared a lot of emotions we shared a lot of stories that a lot of people have never heard and we kind of want to sum up the reason why we did it because people's perspectives on why we did it are changing but I want you guys to hear it from us um, and we're going to take this in kind of like a, a three-step process we're going to talk about the the pre-resignation. So we're gonna talk about why somebody might think about wanting to leave. Like everybody's thought about wanting to leave the teaching field. It's okay, it's okay, it's a norm. We're gonna talk about that. And then we're gonna move into the do's and don'ts, the questions you should ask yourself um, during the actual resignation process. And then we'll also talk about the after and when you leave and what the next steps are. So it's going to be a mix of a review of the season, um, but we wanted to, the review to be intentional. And so we will be having some key takeaways, some key points and questions for people that are wondering if they should leave and at what and based on where you are. If you're wondering, if you've already decided or if you're done. So we're going to get started with the pre, like the before you actually leave, right? When you're sitting there and you're thinking about it, Jihad actually had a really good um, explanation you like related it maybe it's an analogy you related it to double dutch i want you to explain that
0: yeah so i remember when lens and i were talking about this episode and thanks for like breaking it down into those three categories because it really is like that i felt based off of our experiences it was like the pre the during and the after but the pre for me was kind of like you know how back in the day (laughs) Folks used to do the double dutch, you know, used to be killing it. My mom was a double dutch queen. I used to love seeing my mom get out there and do the double dutch thing. But one thing about my mom, she would, like, have half of her body, like, positioned to where she was, like, facing one rope. And she would have one foot that was in front of the other. And kind of as if you were, like, in a defensive stand, but to the side, like, at, like, a slant. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I thought about when I, when you think about this kind of the stages that you go through in thinking about quitting it's like, you got one foot in and one foot out. And, and I think that there's like this element in which you're like, uh, is it the right time? And you're just kind of sitting there waiting for the right time to go. And that right time, you may not feel like that right time is gonna come, but you still are standing there in that position, just waiting for the rope to 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 basically either go lower or go higher, whatever type of jump double dutcher you are. But that's the kind of the perfect analogy that I felt like I was experiencing. Um, just like not really knowing when it is going to be the right time.
1: hmm And for those that don't know how to double dutch <laughs> like me. Really having like one foot in and one foot out. Like, I don't know how to double dutch, but I know like you're bouncing back and forth to the Mm -hmm. rhythm Mm -hmm. and you're trying to like, you're trying to get on rhythm. You might be on rhythm is the thing, but you're still not on rhythm to move to the next spot. And that's like the one foot, one foot, one foot in, one foot out type of thing. And I wanted to take this time to highlight um, our episode where we jigsawed the different teacher experiences for people, teachers that have left. But there was a teacher that was actually still in um, in the field, in the classroom, uh, Darren. And I might butcher exactly what he said, and you should go back to that episode or follow us at the reformist Pipeline. And there is a snippet of a very vital point um, that we have on Instagram as one of our uh, one of our videos. But he kind of talked about like just having to sit down and refigure out what his purpose is or his why, like rewire his why. And I think that it is important for us to know that we are forever evolving and we're forever changing. And you are going to your 20s. You're in your 20s. You're in your 30s. You might be in your 40s. Okay. And on average, you have about wherever you are, you have about 40 or 50 more years to live. That's four to five decades. Like for you to think that you've lived most of your life once you haven't. And two, for you to think that you have found your purpose at 23 is not some, it's realistic for some, but -hmm. for some it's not. And it's okay for you to shift. So refiguring your why maybe you're like no I still want to be here but you need a different why to to get you up in the morning to to test every, to test weekly to still have to quarantine every other month you know you still have to to reevaluate that and I really appreciated him saying that and I honestly appreciated his bravery and coming yeah. on here and still being in the field and being like hey I'm a human and I have these emotions and i am be thinking about leaving Because it's true, people do be thinking about leaving. A lot of people are afraid of the unknown on the other side. And I think that kind of migrates us into our key takeaways about first level set. Are your expectations clear? Like, are you clear what your, ex? are you meeting the expectations of your job? Hmm. Because let's be clear, there are people that are like, oh my God, I hate this job, it's so hard, but it's because you're not doing your job. Hmm. And people are getting on you because you're not doing your job. We've all worked with those people that live in a different world that's not in alignment with the majority of the teachers that are doing the work. That's that's just what it is. So you may not actually need to leave the classroom. You just may need to do your job, you know?
0: That part, no, I completely agree. And I I think that the other takeaway is how are you using your time? Like, are you the teacher that is being intentional during your planning period and you're actually taking that time to uh, plan either for the next day Or are you kind of behind and you are planning for the next period during your planning period and not really haven't had the opportunity to really focus on time management, right? Like, are there some skills that you need to be focusing on so that you can build out your build out if this is what you want to be doing? If teaching is what you want to be doing, how are you perfecting your craft? How are you upskilling? Are you requesting for you to be sent to PDs and they're denying it? And if they are denying it, are you going on YouTube and trying to figure out ways to still capitalize on skills that you can be using in the classroom? And making sure that you're not using too much time outside of the classroom and making sure that you are also having time for self-care. Like, that's also important. And that's also what we mean by being intentional with your time, right? So it's not just supposed to be like you're giving your whole life, your all to this career. You also need to be able to pour back into yourself in some way, shape or form.
1: Please. And then the other question that I have for you in the space, are you doing a role you chose? Like there there have been plenty of times where people have, have an offer letter that says fifth grade math, right? But you got moved to third grade literacy based on the need. And because you're in a position where you're just like, you're disagreeable. Like, sure, I'll do it. Like, oh, that can't be that bad because it seems like you don't have a choice. That could also be a reason why you feel like you want to resign. Maybe it's not necessarily the content. Maybe it's, sorry, maybe it's not the actual teaching. Maybe it's the content. Maybe it's the grade because it's not what you signed up for. Like literally you signed an offer letter for one position and then they shifted it. That that happens. I don't know if that happens in the corporate world. Probably doesn't. But um, so I think to sum this like, pre double dutch one foot in one foot out questions you should really be asking yourself before you decide that you're going to leave do you feel psychologically safe and then why do you want to leave what are the pros and cons of leaving and i would ask you to journal that write it down type it in note before you move on to the next the next big concept of i've decided to leave let's talk about what you're jihad's going to lead us off like this is the escape plan, like during the actual leaving and the resigning. Go ahead, Hadi.
0: Yeah, so during the actual resignation process, cause it is a process and let us be crystal clear here. Like we're not trying to glorify leaving. We are saying and trying to highlight the fact that it is a process. And as adults, we, we oftentimes are afraid to dream. And we begin to allow this thing called, you know, (laughs) capitalism, because that's what we're what keeps America churning Mm -hmm. to define our lives instead of allowing us to define it. And I really want us to be crystal like just just take a second to think about, like, what is it that you want out of this profession? And is this profession giving you what you are, what, what you want out of it? And if that's not in alignment with those questions that we already asked you, so maybe it is the case that you do feel psychologically safe. Maybe it is the case that you uh, feel like you want to stay. Maybe it is the case that you are looking at the pros and cons of leaving, but the the pros outweigh the cons. But now we're at that during space where, let's be realistic, like this isn't really, I'm not really cut out to be an educator at this point. And that's what I'm starting to realize. Or maybe it's the fact that you know that you have been doing, you've been teaching for a long time and now it's time for you to move into leadership. Yep. Or you've been teaching for a long time and maybe it's just, you don't want to be at this school anymore because of how you're being treated. All of these things are okay, but it's about you trying to be intentional with the process and asking yourself, asking yourself that question to make sure that this, you're not just trying to run from one (laughs) situation to the next you're trying to be intentional about the the plan that you're setting so that you are taking care of yourself in the process because one thing's for certain and two things for sure If there's anything that you learn from our stories there is going to be and there's going to need to be a healing process that happens even after you leave the profession even after you leave the school even after you leave that administrator that's been causing harm and if you aren't realistic with that yourself with these types of things then there's going to be a bigger conversation that needs to be had
1: show is show is i think that another thing that you need to think about during is um this concept of car- having a career versus having a skill set
0: mm. now
1: i listen to youtube videos now and alux.com um or alux on youtube i Think it's a good good space for people that want to talk about like wealth and capitalism and how to build those things but one of the things they talked about was the career versus skill set and they their point was basically that there are some careers careers that are evergreen um, meaning that there are things that we're always going to need like the medical field like that's really not going anywhere um, but there's there's careers that are going to be obsolete in five to 10 years. And mm. there's careers that are going to pop up out of nowhere in five to 10 years. And they gave a, gave a really good example of, uh, they showed a graph of Bali's tourism and it was damn near flatlined at a very low number until 2004 and it shot up, like exponentially shot up. And you're probably wondering why, well, what the hell happened in 2004 where Bali's tourism is up and it, it's up and it's stuck right now, quite honestly. Nice. Social media. Mm -hmm. social media came about and now we have we have influencers and specifically we have travel influencers so travel influencers were going to bali and sharing their experience before they even knew travel influencing was a thing Mm -hmm. and now bali's tourism is up and now we have these new jobs so you you really have to think about I could have a career in this, but that could not even be as helpful anymore. And so developing skills, like there's a skill set. Everybody can't be an influencer. That's just on period. Like there's a lot of people, children that want to be YouTube stars. And a lot of them probably could if they have a certain skill set. You can't just go on there. Like there is a method to all madness. And so I would just ask you, I think Jihad already kind of hinted at it, but do you think your skills are more suitable for another school? before you leave because that's where I was when I left my second school I'm just like I think that I've, I've I've learned everything I can learn here and there's not much more they can do for me so I'm gonna go to another school with another position um and then another question you should ask yourself if you're like I'm resigning do you have time to figure it out during the school year or after like we're kind of like lucky or blessed in a space where like a lot of people who are transitioning jobs have to be able to figure out what's next in the job. You can do that in the job, or you can wait till the summer where you have some intensive like, time to be like, okay, no I'm, no, I'm gonna be done. So I would just leave y'all with these questions that you probably should journal about if you are resigning. Do you have savings? <laughs> You know, Do you have savings? How can you be intentional about your, about your day to um, actually like look for jobs, rebuild a resume? Um, I would also say, make sure you're looking uh, for jobs on Indeed or LinkedIn. Um, and I say that specifically because out of people that are non-educators, y'all might be like, of course we have a LinkedIn page. Of course you would go to LinkedIn first. But that's not the route for a lot of teachers. Like they are not pushing us to, they want us to dress business casual every day, but they don't push us to have a LinkedIn. Like mm-hmm. there's there's no reason to have a LinkedIn. So something that's like as small and like, well, duh, like a lot of I know somebody who's literally a vice principal and now assistant principal at a charter school. And she didn't, she hadn't updated her stuff for seven years. Hmm. Cause she didn't need to. Not something you have to do. Um, I think like also thinking about who can help you with your resume. Like, who can refer you? And resume help doesn't necessarily have to be somebody from that industry. It could be here. Hey, friend, here's a description. Here's my resume. Do you think that they match? Like, do you think the cover letter is actually meeting the requirements? Um, And have you ever written a cover letter? Some people have not written a cover letter, but Google that, you know? Hmm. And the real question, another question about money, right? We already talked about savings. And I asked that because do you have enough savings to not work for a certain amount of time? You need to identify that. Do you know when your benefits end? Hmm. Is it upon leaving at separation or is that the end of the month? You know, you have to know like, okay, like me, I left October 1st because I knew that my benefits will hold me out through October. And then Jaha, you can take this last one because Jahad does have like a small story that he's hopefully willing to share about this next Absolutely.
0: question. Absolutely. So there was a time in which I was teaching at a school and <laughs> during that time, there is something, um, you received benefits and I received a vesting schedule for my 401k. And essentially, if you don't know what a vesting schedule is, it's the amount of money that your employer gives towards your 401k based off of the amount of years that you have been there, years of service essentially. And so my vesting schedule was for the first year, after my first year of employment, I would get 33% based off of the match that I was, or uh, based off of the funds that I was putting into my 401k. So let's say 3% of my salary, they would give me 33% up to 3%. And then after year two, they would give me 66% of 3% into my 401k. After year three, they would give me 100% um, up to 3% of my salary that I was contributing. So, I found out after I put my resignation letter in that because I left prior to my hire date, that I was only going to get the 66% of what was vested into my 401k. And so that meant that additional 33% I was no longer going to be getting, and now it's gone, all because I left before my hire date. So like when Liz is talking about benefits, like she also means those benefits too, like be very intentional. And it's not about, it's about you walking out on the other end and getting everything that you are owed, right? Like I was owed that extra 33%. That is not something that I did not earn. I earned that. It's just the fact that based off of how benefits work they were able to take that additional 33 percent back and give it to someone else or use it well, for I
1: want I want to dig deeper into that because okay. it's not it's it's not that it's deeper than that- mm-hmm. based on how the 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 year calendar and the school calendar are they yeah. hold you and, yes. because they knew. They yes. knew what they were doing. They some usually somebody's looking out like my mom is explaining that and other like companies will be like, hey, are you sure you want to leave right now because your benefits, blah, blah, blah. I want to explain so people really understand the school. The full calendar year is January to December. So a lot of these companies work on like a calendar year or a year that is not adjacent or parallel to to the school year, mm-hmm. the school year hire date. Like it's probably in July.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Right? It depends on when you got there, right? School year hire date is in July. And then the school year ends in June, right? So the higher date is in July, July to July. But you start school in August and then you end in June. So for three years, jihad worked from August to June, August to June, August to June, but his higher date was July to July. So you have to think about it this way. If the higher date he should have just waited until July 16th to say that he wasn't going, like that was going to be his end date because the school year ending in June to July 16th, they're actually not missing out on any work. Like Jihad's not missing out on any work. There's nothing that anybody in um, the C-suite needs to do for jihad, They can still look for somebody else. And it's unfortunate that as a company, and companies always say that they care for, for people and you care for students, that you wouldn't give the jihad a heads up like, oh, hey, like the HR should have given you a heads up that, oh, your money's not going to vest. You should stay until your money vests. You should change that date. I want to make that clear because the other myth that we know, Jihad, is that people think that teachers don't work, they're, 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 they don't work through the summer. We don't work through the summer, but we are like 12-month employees that work for 10 months because if we really were 10-month employees, they would have been able to give you your money at that point. But because we're we're 12 month employees that only get paid for 10 months, there's some com- that work for 10 months, get paid for 10, get paid over the course of 10 months. There's some confusion there. So you really miss out on retirement money.
0: That part. And, and I think that that even goes back to the point about capitalism, because we know that schools are on a different schedule. So you imagine that if you if folks actually cared about educators, they would put the schedule based off of a school year, as opposed to the calendar year.
1: Right. One more thing. Okay. Um, We are now going to move into our last subsection of, you know, our review and our experience of after leaving, after you've already left. So this is really about like, us digging into um, our personal resignation stories and then ending with some more questions that people really should think about if they are already out of it or trying to look forward to being out of it. Um, Not really sure how to start this, but I do wanna start, I guess we should just start with some of the feedback that we got from people on the the episodes. Um, I know that I got a, a slew of text messages and I think I'm using that word, right? because I've heard it used in the context. But when I looked up the denotative definition of slew, I'm like, that don't make sense. So if I'm wrong, just let me know.
0: (laughs) Well, definitely Uh, let me know too, because I definitely use it like that too. That's what I'm
1: saying. I'm gonna do some research. But anyways, um, I got a lot of text messages from people that worked at my first school that were there with me. And um, I think the general theme, well, people are very proud of me for telling my story. And a lot of people were like, I didn't know that was happening to you and I was like because you didn't ask (laughs) um and granted like don't get me wrong like I'm not mad at anybody for not like inquiring um anymore I was uh, for some time because y'all knew that a lot of y'all knew the story or you knew y'all was in my business anyway y'all was in the drama with me and that man and you was in the drama with oh these people are leaving y'all all knew but didn't inquire and that's fine um but I was glad that I got I held on to that story for five years, y'all. like that was like a very emotional release. I cried after I shared that because, and I cried reading some people's messages because that that shit was hard, bruh. It was hard to go through and it was hard to actually say. And so I do appreciate the people that listened to it. I appreciate the people that shared. I appreciate the people that reached out. I appreciate the people that didn't reach out and you just thought about it. um i'm I'm glad people are able to receive my truth. Um, And then there was a, I have a Aquarius friend and she works at a school in California and she was like, I've never felt so seen in my life. And you really get it. Like, I cried listening to your episode because I've experienced that. And honestly, she's experiencing some stuff that's worse than some of the stuff that I've shared in the episode, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just really powerful. And I just felt like I'm glad that we're doing this and we are still mission aligned. Like, cause at the end of the day, uh, when it's all said and done, our mission is to raise the voice of teachers. And these are the stories, like our stories that we shared are the stories that aren't being heard. And I wanna make it very clear because I've been having this conversation. Me and Jihad are two different characters on this uh, on this <laughs> podcast. Jihad it was very, first in general, Jihad is very clean cut, okay? Jihad is about class. Um, jihad is expressive in a way that is palatable to across many cultures, many jobs, many ethnicities. Right? That is that is Jihad's demeanor at all times. Okay, Jihad is classy. I have the ability to be classy. On this podcast, though, I choose to be a little crassy. All right, I choose to show my ass a little bit because. I don't want to be policed in how I say something, especially Mm -hmm. if I'm sharing my truth. And I'm saying this because you can tell from Jihad's episodes and my episodes that we're very, very different. Um, And I come from an emotional space and I come from an expressive space. And I also come from a space that really wants to be more inclusive about how people communicate and how people receive communication, because I don't think I should have to be politically correct all the time. I don't think that I should have to operate under white supremacist tenets about what's palpable for the white girl to hear me say, because this is my experience. Like It's unfortunate that we actually used to work in an industry that's like, oh, we care about children. So you would let children throw desks in class and not really have any serious consequences because you wanna get down to the reason why. You wanna get down to the root, the feeling, where is this coming from? But as soon as I share my story, all you're able to hear hmm. is specific words. Hmm. That's what you're able to hear. You're not able to hear the racism. You're not able to hear the racial microaggressions, right? Um, and I we'll get to some reviews, but you're you're hearing the ego. You're not actually hearing that somebody yelled at me in a school building that somebody made me cry in a school building because that's that's the issues we're getting at. So I'm, I'm glad that people are able to listen to this and have differing opinions. And in five to 10 years, the way that we shift, we are gonna move to a space that is less politically correct and more, let's talk about the content in the issues. Hmm. Because I, I just realized through conversations with people that you know we just have cultural differences. Things that I'm saying and, and how I've said it is received in the black community as like, oh, I'm listening to what she said. Like I can ignore the the fact that she said bitch or she said nigga, but Mm -hmm. I do notice that people that are outside of our community, primarily white people or white adjacent people, some of their feedback is, oh, like those words, like, oh, I wouldn't use that word. You shouldn't use that word. You're white. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you should not use that word because when you use it, your connotation, your, your connotative meaning is different than my connotative meaning um and so I do hope that I'm not saying I want people to be at work saying bitch fuck damn even though people do that shit already let's be very clear but and I'm not saying I want people at work attacking other people right that's not what I'm that's not what I'm saying but I would push people to be able to hear the the actual message because at the end of the day the message is going to move the meter more than your temporary feelings about somebody saying a a bad word or a word that you actually wouldn't be able to use in your community
0: yeah i completely and i think that the other element of all of this that i also felt is like i think that we've always been a platform in which we welcomed any and all opinions any and all suggestions and although we did receive folks who were like affirming us I just want everybody to know, like, we've never been the type to be like, oh, no, we don't want to speak to you. We don't want to hear your perspective of the situation or anything of that nature. Like, I think that that was what was so captivating about this season was the fact that so many educators spoke to feeling heard by the stories that that we told. So many educators feel as if they've been wronged in the classroom. So many educators are constantly taken advantage of in the classroom under the guise that we're doing best for 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 students Woo! and so i think that there needs to bigger be a bigger conversation around organizations that are truly here for the betterment of black and brown students truly here for the betterment of black and brown educators like if you're going to be about that work be about all of the work you don't get to choose when you are about the work and when you don't want to be about the work come on that's not a choice that you get to make, and so it's discouraging to to be in a space in which folks feel an element of entitlement. Ooh, ooh. And I think oh, that that's wow. what the the next comment will get at. But I'll let you read that comment, Lens.
1: Yeah, and and that is the thing. I do, um, again, want to say that we have always welcomed people's like thoughts and opinions, and we do that because we want we do want to collaborate like let's be uh, let me just read some of the the ratings um so we got some reviews and ratings on apple Podcasts. so shout out to those people that have been listening to the end and shout out to the people that are giving these ratings um and please do so now Um, Also, if you're like, oh, Apple podcast doesn't give me enough space, or this is something like I I had an issue with you guys saying this, but I don't think you're an altogether bad podcast, please send us an email. We are more than willing, like we are learning and growing forever. So this one was titled, uh, Lacking All Class, Do Not Listen. This podcast is a woe is me disgrace. Get over yourselves, for real. Your egos are unparalleled and thank God you're no longer responsible for children. Your points, valid or otherwise, come across as you've been burned and have gripes and grudges. Quote, I'm a legend up in here, baby. Pathetic. Um, this was very interesting to me um, for multiple reasons. First of all, woe is me. God damn it. <laughs> woe is me. I'm like, did you hear about what I went through? But here's, I want to also rewind in that some people jumped into these episodes because they were like emotion provoking and someone sent it to them, right? Oh my God, did you see what the reforms Pipeline did? Did you see what our, our formal employer did? That's, mm-hmm. that's what happened. That's what I wanted to happen, to right. be honest, because I want to be clear that all the stories, a majority of the stories, not every single detail, i am be honest, but a majority of the stories that I told y'all about my personal experience, I told to HR. At each of those schools so it should be documented somewhere but y'all didn't hear me when i said it in a politically correct palpable way for the white people to hear you didn't hear me but you hear me now because i decided not to do that and unfortunately i have always been of the belief unfortunately for some i've always been of the belief that you have to evoke an emotion for people to really try to make change and so I'm, I already was emotional. It wasn't even about Im- Im- invoking other people's emotions and like intentionally doing that. I knew that was going to happen with my story. And for you to say that it feels like you've been come across, you've been burned and have gripes and grudges, you are a- absolutely accurate. I have been burned and I have gripes and grudges that I'm actively working towards. And this was a piece for me to let go of some of that. But if you listen to what experience, what I experienced, hmm. like- and that's the problem. Some of y'all only listen to one episode, and think exactly. that, that one episode represents the whole entire three seasons that we have. We've been in production since twenty twenty. Hmm. We're a professional LLC, baby. Okay, it's legendary. We're not just on here just talking to talk. We're we're professional. So your idea of professional is going to be based on what whoever told you what professional was, to be quite honest. And we only took five episodes to share our stories and people don't even have issues with jihad stories because jihad again speaks in a different like he delivers his messages different than i choose to deliver my messages y'all got issues with what the hell i said and i hope that people that have issues with what i said come to me about the issues about what i said to be honest because i'm the one that said them jihad cannot agree or disagree with my truth i wish that he could if he could he would have been right there with me but he he, yeah, he yeah. literally can't. And he was there, but he can't. It's, right. it's his life. It's separate. So I do have grudges with people that decided to fire me, probably wrongfully if I really got an attorney and figured it out after knowing that my brother got shot and sent a two sentence email. Yeah, I got grudges with these types of people. So again, I ask that people listen to the content, not saying don't have an opinion. I knew people were going to think that it was messy. I had anxiety about what people would say about it or what would happen afterwards. I absolutely did. I'm not no dummy, hmm. but at the end of the day, I'd rather push my for my story forward, um, than to than to not for the other reviews that people said. Like as an educator in DCPS and past charter school to teacher, I'm loving this relatable content and feeling hmm. so validated listening and learning from these two, or this person that said, love the pod, you will too. I've been in education for six years. As a woman of color, there are many different difficult experiences we face in our journey to grow while advocating for our needs and the needs of our scholars and families. This pod highlights all the struggles in charter education with a comedic touch. If you're looking for a safe place to feel seen, laugh, and hear some friendly advice, TRP is the pod for you. So to be quite honest, I don't do it for the one stars. And I really do hope that the people that are that are one starring us, um, do whatever you want because you have the ability to do so. But I would ask that you add the second piece of actually emailing us so mm-hmm. that we can have a conversation and collaborate around the problems. Um, because we're we're willing we're willing to shift based on what the actual need is, but people being anonymous, that's fine. If you want you want to save yourself, no problem. but it then begs the question of are you really about the shift in the change?
0: period. And and I just and I think there's nothing else that needs to be like stamped on what you said. I just feel it's just crazy to me that in 2022 educators still can't be people. We can't be humans. We can't have feelings. We can't have anything in which we feel like we were slighted by even though we know what we know what it is. We know that I lost out on fifteen thousand dollars. We know that that was wrong, but even still, then I'm not allowed to. There, there's a way in which I have to go about it to to make sure it comes across to you. I have to, I have to figure out a way to tell you it in such a in in such a way in which. And then, mind you, let me be crystal clear. There was no apology that came out of that. There's this element in which I had to fight twice as harder to get to where I am present day with no help of anyone that was there in the past. Seriously. As a black man. And so, excuse me if I am evoking an emotion from you in (laughs) finally being able to have a platform in which I get to tell my story. Because that's a platform that you have on a daily basis as being a white person in America. And that's the difference. I took the time. I had to literally invest thousands of dollars into a podcasting platform so that people can finally feel as if they need to listen to my story and they need to hear me. Yeah. So it takes that for me to be heard. And I think that that's what kills me is the fact that like Lynn said, we are here and we have never shied away from any conversation. We've never shied away from inv- not inviting somebody to, to tell their perspective or to tell what's going on in their so, so, uh, their um situation and their side of a story. Please, by all means, if anything, we were even thinking about having fo- other folks on the episode so that they can tell us why they ended up staying at those yeah. schools as well as others we all have perspectives and that's what all of this is about. It's about perspective and it's about accountability. And I think that there are different ways in which we can make this world a better place. But I think that we need to be willing and ready to have conversations when the conversations are working in your favor in the sense that you are asking me to, to give this exit interview. And unfortunately when they're not, mm-hmm. years later when I'm dealing with the repercussions of how I have been harmed and now the expectation is for me to deal with the harm, even though I don't have a job, no healthcare, no insurance. And I didn't even have time or the capacity to do that while I was in the classroom. Mm. So it's crazy to me to, to hear things of this nature, woe is me, disgrace. Uh, I hope that you will, you you'll ne- thank goodness you'll never be around.
1: I will no, always. No, not goodness. Thank God you're not responsible for children anymore.
0: Exactly. And let me be crystal clear. Well, I will always be around children. <laughs> let me be crystal clear. Because even prior to me getting into the classroom, honey, I was around children. I will eventually have my own children.
1: You know what's crazy? <laughs> and this is. And this is how I know it's not people that are rooted in children that have these, that right. have these problems. This is how I know that it's like really like um, a facade for some people and not yeah. not everybody. It's an umbrella statement. But like, did we did we really sit there and bash hella kids? Hmm. Or did we talk about the s- systems that allowed kids behaviors within the structures of our own school? Hmm. Or did we talk about admin admin most of my issues were with adults if you mm. like it back of course like I have been violated by children but that's the other thing that I'm like okay you're still missing the point like we're talking about the adults and you still bring right. back. thank god you're not responsible for children and I agree with you thank god I'm not responsible for children because mm. I'm not I'm not fit for children right now and I'm I'm wise enough to say that I'm not fit for children because I can't get past the adults personally. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not fit for children because being an educator in spaces where people consistently are not showing that you're valued makes you love yourself less and you have to rebuild. Right. And you have to heal from things every day and come back with a new attitude. So that's why like, I do agree that I spoke from a space of emotion and (laughs) ego in some of the spaces that people like some of the episodes people are listening to. But I never had the opportunity to work from emotion and ego throughout the school day. Let's be very clear about what type of educator I was. And I was legendary at that school. I will stand 10 toes down. Not legendary because I went in looking for accolades. There's no accolades. (laughs) I didn't go get a degree in elementary education because I'm like, oh, I wanna get this award. I'm legendary because of the relationships that I've built Mm. and some of the cultural shifts that I've made at that school that have lived beyond me. And it's not just me, it's me in collaboration with others who are like, we need to have meetings at the beginning. We need to have a career day. We didn't have a career day. And I sat with people undervalued and underpaid to make sure that those things happen and those things are still happening. So when I say legendary, it's not about feeding my ego or trying to be teacher of the year because they didn't give no damn accolades. They didn't give me no damn money. Right. (laughs) It's about the relationships that I still have with parents, parents still sending me pictures and still telling me that, you know, I was a really great math teacher. I was the best math teacher the kid ever had. And if you know my story, if you actually listen back, I actually didn't. I went to college not knowing what I was going to do. And I came into teaching being ELA focused. So I had no desire to be the best, best math teacher in the world. Hmm. So it's just it is this has been um, very fulfilling in a way where I'm just like, you know, people really do have opinions about everything. And you're entitled to your own, but I'm entitled to how I respond and how I process them. Um, And again, if there's anything that people want to talk about, I would hope that people would reach out to our email. We're happy to collaborate, have a discussion, figure out what's best for both as long as it's mission aligned.
0: That part. And so, Linda, are you going back to the classroom?
1: You know, I hate that question. That is my least favorite question that civilians are asking me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the kids need you. No, they don't. <laughs> they do not need me, baby. I'm trying to tell you. They don't need me. I don't like being asked. I'm going back to the classroom because hmm. people ask me that more than they ask me why I left.
0: Hmm. 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 Uh,
1: need you oh the kids in blah 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 really need you and no no that's it
0: (laughs) i feel you i feel you yeah i think and this is something i know that we've talked about over the course of at least i know when i have first left the classroom i know this is the first time i started telling you this because as you know there was a lot of healing that i needed to do because i became a person that i didn't even recognize And I don't think that people are having those conversations. And so I think that we become different beings every time we leave a school. And Mm. the reason why I say that is, is that the jihad that I am today is completely different than jihad the first, the second, and the third year of being in the classroom. Mm. Mm. And I am better because of it. Yes. However, I just wonder
1: and i wonder what
0: what like what could have been different like had i been able to pour into myself had i been able to heal from a lot of the traumas that were happening in the school building at no fault I, I, like i had no fault in the situation i am just trying to make the best of the situation that was being presented of me yeah. and i also think about like my family i think about the fact that like my mom my dad my brother and the sacrifices that like they made a for me to come and move here and to do all of this and for me to feel like I'm not doing enough to make sure that my parents are going to be good for like if, and when they are able to retire or like being able to cover a bill. Like those are the things that like constantly go through my head, being a, like being on the other side of teaching that like, I couldn't even think about that while I was teaching. And that's not, it's not fair. It, it, it's it, it's just not fair at all and so i just want folks to really know and really be able to look at ask yourself the question of like what do you want for you <laughs> what is best for you and to Lindsay's point earlier like get that LinkedIn together, always keep it together, get that resume together. There are uh, organizations out there. There are some organizations will even do it for free. There are podcasts out there um, about educators, teaching other educators how to leave uh, the classroom and to pivot to tech or how to leave the classroom and yep. pivot to coding. I know that yep. that still is tech, but <laughs> all that's to say, exactly, <laughs> all that's to say, there are ways to get access to other opportunities that are out there. I would and agree. Whether or not that's you hitting us up, or I, I have a friend. She's still at of school. Her name's Diana, and she runs like a, a resume business, and she does coaching, and all. that said she's in the classroom. She's a leader at a school. I want to say in New York. Um, but all that's to say, like she's she's doing it. She's killing the game, even while still being in the school. And I know that there's ways in which you can like really. Upskill your resume as an educator and make your things that you're doing in the classroom translatable to these corporate companies or nonprofit. Like, whatever it is that you want, there are ways to pivot into it.
1: Yes, I agree. Let us know if you need help. And then I would ask, and this goes for people that are resigning, that are not resigning, that are stay at home moms, that are at a job that they love. Just in general, like, what does your healing look like? You know, we're triggered. There's potential to be triggered every day. There's potential to have a traumatic experience every day, no matter like how small or how big. Um, what does that look like for you? And then recognize that no matter what that looks like for you, and what no matter what your next steps are, everybody's not going to understand why you did what you did. But as long as you're rooted in why and you, your why and you're rooted in your own core values you know that you're in alignment with the life that you're creating for yourself and you know we love y'all and we will see y'all in a few months
0: and now it's time for the call to action the great resignation has officially hit our schools and teachers are leaving at alarming rates due to stress y'all Kicking it with Key is choosing to do more for our teachers.
1: Yes, my girl, Kicking It With Key. <laughs> Recently launched a crowdfunding campaign powered by iFundWomen and Caress to host 100 teachers for a cut the noise teacher wellness retreat and sustain monthly wellness groups. Teachers deserve a stress free environment to practice self care and receive wellness resources. And that's on period. Will you invest in providing 100 teachers the care and support they truly deserve? will you you should will you invest in the future of our education system by showing our teachers that we care the answer should be yes so go to @kickingitwithkey it with key on instagram or kicking to learn more
0: peace love and light